Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and restaurateurs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects more than 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants from the best place for a pizza slice, a taco or a hamburger to the latest must-visit new fine dining opening. Today we're meeting Chef Vaughn Mabee from Amisfield Restaurant in Queenstown in New Zealand. Before taking over Amisfield in 2012, Mabee worked in California, San Sebastian and at restaurant Noma in Copenhagen. At Amisfield, he uses local wild seafood, game and foraged produce found in the central Otago area and presents them in his creative dishes, accompanied by wines from the Amisfield winery. We'll hear about Vaughn Mabee's career that took him from Auckland around the world and back to New Zealand. At the end of the podcast, he will reveal his favorite restaurant recommendations. You'll also find these places in the World of Mouth app. Please tell me, who is Vaughn Mabee? Uh, so Vaughn Mabee, uh, you know, I grew up in New Zealand. I'm definitely a man that uh, loves the land here. Um, I've been a chef my whole life, uh, since I was a little teenager. And I guess... Um, you know, my my life just evolves around, uh, you know, the kitchen, uh, my wife and my son and my dogs. It's a it's a simple it's a simple life, uh, and uh, with a never ending uh, kind of thought process of mind that n- never stops, which has been kind of. Uh, 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 that my my down in life is that I I can never stop thinking. I think um, that's probably the the biggest issue I have with my life is that I just can't stop. But uh, Vaughn, if I want to describe myself, I'm just a person that really wants to uh, show great things uh, in the way of food through my beautiful country. Okay, and uh, tell me your uh, restaurant. Uh... Amisfield, tell me a few words about that. Uh, Amisfield, it's a, it's kind of like a a piece of a piece of history of this town in the sense that it's been there for over twenty years now. Uh, it's um, right on this beautiful lake, and uh, you know it's kind of um, it's almost like a monument. It's this huge, uh, beautiful. Uh, stone building that's been made with the uh, schist and rock from this area, from the quarry. Uh, it looks out over beautiful Lake Hayes and it's surrounded by mountains. Um, I came here, uh, you know, over 13 years ago with the intention of getting a free flight to the South Island and that I wasn't actually going to work there. Um, that was the interview I went in and um, when I walked into the restaurant I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen and I've been here here ever since it's um, you know we've it's it's been a journey there uh, and to get to where it is right now I mean we've we're the only restaurant that has um, three hats in the South Island which is our kind of equivalent of the Michelin that doesn't come to New Zealand 
um, and it's been the best restaurant now in New Zealand for four years in a row. So it's a it's a it's a beautiful beautiful uh, place in Queenstown, um, and we basically showcase a lot of flavors and products that um, are really hard to come by in New Zealand, and most of those products from the ocean or their um, different types of wild game that's hunted around us. Uh, and I think um, my intentions with that and the restaurant is, you know, we make our own wine on the vineyard. And I thought it was awesome to not only capture, you know, you're, you're drinking from the terroir there, the land, but you're also eating the food from the land as well so you're kind of capturing every little element of the menu and at first when I went there I you know coming out of working in like three stars and other restaurants in Europe I thought I was gonna um, be missing my Margot's and my Rothschild's and the things that I used to kind of like to drink with but I think it um, it's a really cool statement when you can uh, produce different organic varieties of wine to match the food from the exact same area. It's kind of an untold or story that you don't really see that often around the world. And um, it, yeah, it's just it's a journey through uh, my eyes of uh, New Zealand. Uh, if we go back, um, you saw your childhood, and how did you get out in the uh, the restaurant world? How did that start? Um, well, my father's a Kiwi, and my grandfather's a Kiwi, but my mother's actually an American. And, you know, growing up in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand's never been at the forefront of uh, food in the sense that it's a new country. Um, we adapt uh our cuisine from uh you know the scottish the irish the english the welsh the the colonies that came here in the you know mid 19th century so on the food front you know new zealand new zealand a lot of, when i was a kid you were used to eating overcooked lamb with uh boiled frozen peas and a jus that's probably based with an exo cube dried stock thing and you know uh so that's yeah. what me and my friends kind of were more used to but when my mother you know having an american mother she's like an amazing chef so um well not a chef she's amazing she's an amazing cook don't call her a chef but i uh, i think um her food that she was making was so different to all the other households and I kind of fell in love with food originally when I was a kid through um you know what she was putting on the plate and ever since I was a young uh, little kid I, I always liked to cook uh high school I didn't finish I um I just wasn't focused enough and I entered the uh, the kitchen of the you know as a, basically a dishwasher at the ripe young age age of uh, 15 and um, you know uh, typical story there was these cool uh, 20 year old chefs and I kind of wanted to be like them and uh, 
you know, I, I fell in love with working in the kitchen and I've never, never left it ever since. And I, I still love it to this day. Like every day is exciting, you know, and that it was 28 years ago. So it's been a, it's been a while. It's yeah, been a yeah. while, you know, I've already got on the quarter of a century inside the, inside the kitchen, uh, you know, but I, I'm 42 and I feel super young. So uh, I feel like the journey is just beginning right now, you know. And you you took uh, a a a a long tour in in some well known restaurants in Europe. Could you mention a few of those? Yeah, my my tour started actually in the States, and I worked under some incredible uh, chefs. And the 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 kind of most training I got were in uh, ritzy hotels in California. So I worked under quite a few chefs there when I was really young. And I think uh, at the time, you know, I, I didn't really know fine dining when I was young. Um, I knew parts of it and I knew the, you know, the fancy hotel restaurant. But I I, um, I learned an incredible, incredible amount about um, how to run many styles of restaurants in the hotels because... You know, I worked in certain hotels where they had seven different restaurants. And um, I worked under, you know, French and uh, American chefs. And uh, my my basis of training in California was with a lot of Mexican chefs as well. And I really, I really kind of loved that. And as I got a bit older in my 20s, I... Um, you know, I kind of I moved up the ranks too fast. I think, uh, in in America, I was executive chef of a you know a, a hotel on the water when I was super young, like twenty something. And um, I think yep. what happened to me was, I actually went to a I went to a restaurant to eat, and um, it's now it's still there. It's called. Um, the Addison, and it was in San Diego. They just okay. they just got their third star. Anyway, I um, I was executive chef of this place called the La Valencia Hotel, and I went and ate at the Addison. And after the meal, I was I was chatting a little bit with the chef, and uh, I kind of walked out of there, and I thought to myself, God, he's so much better than I am. Uh, I need to go, uh, and uh, straight away I got back, I quit my job, and I moved to Europe. And um, that was kind of like where I started uh, learning. Um, so I did quite a few stages at first in Europe, and uh, different, um, you know, famous restaurants and stuff, and I found myself uh, based in uh, Martin Brzezicki, the... Michelin three star and uh, and Lazate Oria. I spent quite a lot of time there. I uh, you know, I guess he's one of my mentors or teachers. I learned a lot from Martin, and we're still close to this day. Uh, from there, I I ended up doing uh, my intern at Noma. Um, that was um, that was really fun for me. And uh, my time. Which year of that? Uh, I think I entered there. When I was entered that? there in 09. 
Um, so I was in my yep. late twenties, and um, yeah, was, I mean, what what a what a different uh, vibe it was from the three star Spanish kitchen walking walking into this kind of new Nordic cuisine that was obviously he was already well known, but he wasn't as well known as he is now. Um, I, you know, I, I started there, I worked in varieties of stations and, um, then I, um, it, it was a cool time to be there. There wasn't heaps of people in the kitchen, uh, like, and, uh, Renee was very involved in everything. Um, you know, uh, at our, the, the coolest thing was that when I was working there, it became number one in the world for the first time with the uh, San Pellegrino 50 best. And it was kind of, it was, it was a very good feeling. Uh, I, I, I think I remember that. Yeah. And, um, what I definitely, uh, took from that was, um, Renee, the way his drive and passion was, was just infectious. So it was, uh, their whole team was exactly the same as him pretty much. It was just like this um, kind of an angle that everyone had. And um, I'd never really seen that in a kitchen before. All kitchens, there's always a few people that are complaining or just don't want to be there. But everyone there, when I was there in my time, uh, it, it was infectious. We all had the kind of same drive, the same push and... Uh, I think it was uh, definitely one of the highlights of my career seeing that in 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 action. Um, after you know the the restaurant was awarded number one, I think I was only there for another three months or something, and then um, I had it in my mind that I wanted to come home. I hadn't been home in sixteen years; it was a long time, and. Uh, that's when I came back and when I came back um my next job was uh I took the the chef role at Amersfield and that was you know 13 years ago now and I've just been stand standing there working uh with all my might and strength for you know uh more than a decade now and um you know it's uh it's been a journey man it's been a journey. At Amisfield, your restaurant, um, you mentioned the seafood, uh, the game, uh, different produce. Um, any particular, uh, I mean, game or seafood that you're, 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 you, you love to use from different seasons? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in terms of seafood, uh, so I guess kind of my, my ethos is a lot of the guests that come and dine at Amersfield uh, in the last couple of years is uh, people have started wanting to eat there. They come from near and near and far from all around the world. And one of the reasons they come to New Zealand or the reason is that they want to dine at Amersfield. So I think in my mind... I want to give them something that they can only get in New Zealand, you know. So a lot of the menu always focuses on the ocean. Um, we get a lot of our seafood out of a place called Bluff. It's a port area about an hour and a half from uh, the restaurant. But what we use is endemic seafood 
that only lives in New Zealand. So no one would have tasted it before unless they've been in New Zealand. And a lot of even Kiwis that are from New Zealand, they've never seen uh, the seafood before. It's just these relationships that I've made over the last decade with all the fishermen and the crazy people on the wharf that go and do special things for me to be able to give me this amazing product. When it comes to the land, um, you know, a lot of the, um, well, I, I don't use any farmed animals unless uh, they get killed where they're farmed. Um, there's a there's a difference in the way the meat meat tastes. Um, so mainly all of the um, meat that we use, uh, whether it's elk or fallow deer or wild boar, uh, you know sometimes we use wild goat. Um, this is killed by um, a hunter that works we work closely with. Sometimes when I'm not working a you know, 80 hour a week, mm -hmm. I'll go out with him for a hunt. Uh, in an ideal world, I would have an extra five days a week and go and hunt it all myself. But as a chef, you don't always have time for that. And um, But I, I, um, I think when you're serving something that's hunted around you, you're getting the true taste of the land. Um, you know, you're not giving... Uh, you know, chicken that's been farmed here in a cage, it's like you're, you can tell them where this animal was shot and basically how old he was and then he was a beautiful um, stag on top of a hill kind of vibe. And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of our dining uh, guests, they come from the States and they're not really that used to that kind of cuisine. And when they taste it... Um, they really fall in love with it because it is one of the most kind of beautiful meats in the world when you're serving them this lean kind of organic uh, beautiful uh, game that's from the area you know and I, I kind of ca I call it the taste of freedom and it's a, a taste of here you know around us and I think that is kind of what I focus on on the menu Any, uh, any, um, you mentioned the seafood, any special uh, fish or crustacean or shellfish that you, you, you love to use there? I mean, we use our power a lot, which is our giant black abalone. Um, you know, they're, they're just insanely huge. Uh, you know, that, that's always on my menu. Um, that's, I mean, the course or how I use it changes. But this is another endemic uh, shellfish of New Zealand. And, you know, just the shell on its own is just like unbelievably, it, it looks unreal. Uh, the color of the Pacific through the shell, the blues, you know, it's a big mosaic shell. Um, and and the meat is just unbelievable flavor. So we, we, we do use that. We tend to use our native coda. When it's in season, which is our, uh, it's our our crayfish, but it lives in the rivers and the lakes. Um, that's a beautiful, amazing product we use. Yep. I mean, fish-wise, we we tend to use things that only grow in New Zealand. You know, beautiful blue cod and green bone, and these varieties of fish that are nowhere else in the world. 
um, our green bone that we use, um, it's a vegetarian fish, so you can't actually catch it on a hook. So we have a guy, Tim, that spearfishes them for us. Um, this is a cool way of fishing, and it's the only way of fishing in the world where you don't waste anything. Because, uh, you know, if you wanted to get a mermaid or a porpoise, you know, <laughs> you, know you know what you're shooting at. I mean, it's just a uh, 100% catch rate and it's the most sustainable way. So when we're, when we're thinking about what we're using, we're thinking about the way it's going to get to us and how they're going to catch it. And that's a huge part of how we uh, kind of respect the oceans for our kids in the future as well, you know. Uh, the uh, then if we we talk about the the restaurant the dishes in your restaurant would you uh, to describe uh, your style of cooking your your presentation uh, how how would you describe that and how has it been influenced by your previous uh, working experiences I I think nowadays um, I've kind of captured my own style it's very unique. Um, I kind of display things in a way that no one else has done before. You know, you could be you could be eating this uh realistic wild duck head that's placed in front of you and you will be kind of freaked out that you have to eat it and then you realize that it's a ice cream cake. And um you know, we do some really provocative techniques that are original and that showcase um, that dish in particular. It showcases something that's illegal to use. Um, I even had the health department come into the restaurant and tell me, you, we've heard that you're using the native uh, uh, duck tangi on the menu um Vaughan you know that's against the law and then I got my pastry chef to serve the MPI girl one in front of her and she cut it in half the shell's made out of a liquid pastry with a native chocolate that looks exactly the same as the duck with the feathers that are made out of uh, a smoked duck fat icing that um you know you need five girls working on that plate every day to make them uh perfect and consistent And uh yeah, the the lady just walked out of the restaurant because she felt like um a bit silly that she was trying to hit me up on something that she thought was a real duck and it wasn't. But so, you know, um we we do a lot of that okay. kind of um provocative thing, like we you know, we burn edible wool on a lamb's tail that looks exactly the same as a lamb's tail, but it's made from you know, freeze dried fat emulsified with uh sugar and isomalt with flavors of uh you know, uh, uh, intense um, uh, lamb that we've rotovapped with um, different powders to make it look realistic at the end. And then you burn the wool on fire and it turns into a caramelization around the lamb's tail, which is kind of like a a play on a childhood uh, job I used to have where they only fed us lamb's tails. But so I think... Um, in the last, you know, three three years, my 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 style has kind of developed into something that is just really showcasing New Zealand in a real provocative way that um 
really interests people, maybe a little bit too much of all the people that are coming here right now to eat the food. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I think my base of flavor uh, that attracted my mind the most when I was training was Spanish cuisine. I love Spanish cuisine and I love Mexican cuisine. So if you mold, molded that into a uh, into a base of flavor, and it's standing beside classic French, and then the injection of new New Zealand product flavors, and the development into an original uh, New Zealand style. That's how I would kind of define my cuisine. But when someone asks me that question, there's so much going on in my mind that I almost get anxiety. In the next part of the podcast, we'll hear Chef Von Mabee's favorite restaurant recommendations in New Zealand and the rest of the world. Very good. Uh, then if we move over to, to restaurants uh, that you, you like to, to visit uh, uh, in New Zealand and elsewhere, uh, if we start in your... Uh, on the South Island or, or, or North Island as well. Um, any favorites that you, you have there that you would, would recommend for, for someone coming to, to New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, there's, some, there's a lot of cool places to eat, you know. Um, New Zealand is a culinary melting pot. You've got so many different cultures of food here. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you've met my wife. She's from Tokyo originally. So we, we often um, uh, dine in a restaurant called Kappa, which I love. Um, and uh, the, the chef now, he's been there for over 20 years. Um, he's a Japanese-trained chef. And he literally makes food, which my wife claims is very similar to what she would get in Tokyo, but with New Zealand seafood. So um, I... I think that's kind of my go-to restaurant in this town. Um, I love when I, when I you okay. know, because every day at my restaurant, I'm eating my menu, uh, tasting, tasting, tasting. So I, I think when I dine myself, I'm looking for um, kind of simple uh, food that's really easy, easy to eat, has accessibility. And um, so I, I, I dine there. There's a restaurant down the road. Uh, from us called the Sherwood uh, Chris Scott's a chef he's kind of back in the day kind of Michelin trained in London but he's a Kiwi and he has this like epic garden on top of his restaurant that looks out over the ocean and he grows all his own vegetables and stuff and it's always through his menu he has this big wood-fired oven there that he cooks a lot of his dishes um, yeah it's called the Sherwood I, I love dining there as well I was just there recently. It was really, really good. Um, and then you can go to these kind of little okay. towns and out outlets where you try, uh, whether it's um, the best fish and chips you've ever had in your life or uh, fried bluff oysters. Um, whenever I have kind of media over here or uh, judges from overseas, I always take them there because it's like you're on the ocean and you're tasting some of the most amazing seafood done in the kind of Kiwiana uh, old school way I think there's all these little pockets like that around New Zealand where foodies just they love it whether it's just a boiled live crayfish on the side of the road that's served to you with uh, french fries and lemon and pepper and salt and you're just eating the most 
amazing kai moana from new zealand that's so fresh and uh, affordable as well i think that's kind of uh, new zealand uh, to me you know um, fresh products on the ocean you know obviously obviously lamb could you mention some place for the fish and chips or any of those seafood places yeah um, my favorite place to go for that is fowlers uh, fowlers is on the ocean and bluff it's about an hour and a half drive outside of queenstown uh the family has been oyster um gathering oysters for four generations and they literally they'll gather the oysters the oyster boat comes into the back of the restaurant and the dad will bring them into the kitchen and his daughters will be shucking the oysters right in front of the guests. You can have them natural or they fry them in a spates, which is the southern uh, beer batter, right in front of you. And that that's a moment. Oh, okay. It's like something that everyone that's a foodie should have on their, their bucket list for sure. Fowler. Great. Okay. Uh, something else? Um, bakeries, cafes, uh, street food, anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, New Zealand's, um, you know, uh, pretty pretty famous for doing their meat pies as well. I mean, that, that's street food for New Zealand. That's something you grow up with. You're in a rush. You stop at the gas station when you're a teenager before you realize that smoking was bad for you. You buy a pack of cigarettes and uh, uh, you buy a steak and cheese pie and you're on your way. It's this... Uh, you know, fatty, pastry, flaky, with uh, the braised meat inside it, topped off with cheese. Um, I mean, you know, I, I could eat that over many things around the world. But maybe it's because I grew up here, but, you know, that's kind of our street food. And then we've yeah. adapted a, a lot of um, little things, you know, our sausage rolls, our little uh, sandwiches in our bakeries. I mean, in Queenstown, we have... Uh, Ferg Burger, which is next to Ferg Bakery, and the, the literally the line goes sometimes three blocks up the road. All the tourists and foodies are in line, and they're standing there. And they're, you know, that the the problem was is that that um, famous pop star said it was the best burger in the world. Well, it was Ed Sheeran, he did us in with that because we used to yeah, be able okay. to get <laughs> we we used okay. to be able to get get one easily, and then he said it was the best burger he had in his life. And now the line's always about an hour before okay. you get one. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's all these little okay. pockets in New it's Zealand. A good one? That... It it is good. Yeah, it is good. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of beef. Uh, good New Zealand grass fed beef. Um, you know, uh, it's a great burger. They they often um, hook us up because we're locals. But their their bakery's real legit as well. So the line of the bakery is huge, but that's mainly kind of pies and sandwiches and uh, sweets and stuff like that. But there's all in Queenstown in general. There's just so many little cool things to eat. You know, you just got to kind of look for it or ask around, and you'll find some amazing things. In Auckland, there's a lot of more fine dining restaurants. There's a lot of three hat restaurants, and there's a variety of awesome uh different cultural cuisines up there a lot of japanese chinese cuisine uh new zealand restaurants um that uh you know busy and um yeah like i said it's a it's a melting pot of cuisine around the entire country and it's um 
an awesome place to visit. Yep. It's not just the view, it's definitely the food as well that you need to come for. Any any favourites in Auckland? Um, man, uh, Auckland to me is always, um, uh, you know, I, I spent part of my childhood in Auckland growing up when I was really young. Um, Auckland has so many amazing uh, restaurants. I think me and my wife always tend to go to Asian restaurants when we're in Auckland. Uh, we we love, um, you know, going to uh, dim sum harbour on the viaduct. You know, uh, fine dining, fine dining rise. There's a there's a selection of great restaurants. I think there's three with three hats in Auckland, and they're always always worth the visit. I haven't managed to get to them in a very long time, so it's been a while. I've you know I'm always down here. Or I'm just kind of passing through. Uh, you know, I just passed through, but I didn't have time to eat on the way back from Mexico last week. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's an amazing, uh, amazing uh, different styles of cuisines and different styles of cultural restaurants in Auckland for sure. Any then, if we go go abroad, um, I mean, as you said, you just uh, been to Mexico, and so uh, any favorites uh, out there uh, that you would uh, something that is. Uh, not so obvious or some old favorites? Oh, I mean, I, I went to many incredible restaurants when I was, when I was in Mexico. I think the, my whole trip was designed around eating, uh, basically, you know. Uh, we went to all of the kind of collaboration dinners with all the famous chefs, with Mexican chefs. Uh, the, highlight, the highlight for me in Mexico was definitely uh, dining at Jorge's Quintanil in Mexico City. Um, we dined there, and uh, another highlight was Rosetta. Yeah. I, I thought she was just amazing, the chef, uh, the food. Uh, you know, we also dined at Puyol, which was amazing as well. Uh, but um, the the street food, man, oh, man. Uh, I had just amazing street food. I just wandered the streets of Mexico City and the Yucatan and Merida, and I went to all these little mom and pop kind of little cafe style taco joints on the sides of the streets. And I was just going through a food journey. Um, if you don't like spice, good luck with you down there. I was all over the habanero uh, salsas and I, it was like 32 degrees. I was in a white shirt one day and I was I was patching with sweat because of that spice in a good way. But um I don't know. I think Mexico to me is one of the world's best um, food countries. You know, I've always thought that way. I used to visit there when I was a teenager, when I lived in California. And I think like when you get to know the country a little bit more and you kind of adapt yourself for finding um, some of the older, more, uh, you know, uh, cultured cuisine, the... um, you know the the pig cooked in the ground with the achiote uh, that I had, and um, uh, the, the chefs do it once a week in inside uh, Chable, uh, which is a beautiful resort. And I think the food's run by Jorge, um, and they, he has a chef Louise that runs the resort. That was kind of one of my moments there when they um, told me to come by at nine thirty in the morning for breakfast, and they were going to serve me the cochinita. Uh, bid bill 
and they had this whole boar that they cooked in the ground, cutting it table mm-hmm. side yeah. for me and just having it in these beautiful tortillas. This this old lady was making the tortillas and it was just like a, a, a culinary moment for me. It was so, so delicious. <coughs> I highly recommend. And the... Um, <clears throat> The the octopus, the yeah. Maya octopus was next level as well. And I had it in probably twenty different ways when we were there. So just another another uh culinary uh country with um such deep culture and the food and they're so proud of it. I mean I I can't wait to go there again to be honest. And um I I definitely will in the future, you know. Um, could you mention a few words about your name? Uh, you mentioned Rosetta and and uh, and uh, Quintanil. Uh, how would you describe those places? Uh, I think Rosetta to me. We went in for a late lunch. Um, Elena, she's um, she's an amazing amazing person, amazing chef. Um, I think I I love the purity of her cuisine. You know, she like captures uh, flavors and which to some sounds simple, but her food's like simple, but in the most incredibly balanced way. Like uh, I, I was super impressed by her palate and ju- just everything we had that came out of that kitchen. Like she took great care of us. And I thought, um, you know, she was really capturing uh, kind of uh, Mexican products in a really, really beautiful way. Uh, I I just love the feel and the ambiance of that restaurant with all the all the leaves and trees growing up the walls the skylight above the head you know the remodeled old uh building it was just yeah she she kind of she definitely caught my heart yeah it was a it was an amazing experience and uh her bakery as well uh, I went to her bakery that um that guava pastry uh i mean i'm i'm into pastry and stuff like big time and i used to go to my certain spots that i loved in like paris or in spain or whatever but um that's the real deal uh in uh her, her pastry place the textures the varieties the coffee was amazing that was just like next level and um i wasn't originally going there and then we dined at rosetta and she was like oh come come and taste my bakery tomorrow and I, I came with my wife and we were just like blown away. It was amazing. Uh Quintanil, um I yeah. I just loved his I love his style. It was cool for me because Jorge's a friend. I've eaten his food before, but not actually inside his restaurant. I've been to collabs he's done and the the more recent one I went to uh Ocean restaurant in Portugal with Hans um and they i dined there when they both had um you know half the dishes each on the menu and it was amazing and stuff uh but you could never really yeah i mean it it was great it was a great night but when you whenever you do a collab you're always on your back foot all chefs know it it's like you're not in your kitchen so you can pretend that you're producing your the best cuisine at a collab but you're always kind of looking for a spoon and a knife and a little bit kind of confused (laughs) But so I always wanted to after the flavors of that I had from him in Portugal, I was really amazed, and I, I've always wanted to try it in the re, in his real uh, background, you know, and um, or his real place. And 
Yeah, it was a, definitely a journey. I, I love the usage of all these little ingredients that I'd never, ever tried before in my life, you know, from grasshopper adobo and the tacos with the fish to using different, uh, you know, uh, things from Mexico that I'd never tasted before. It's just a journey of uh, flavors from his heart and, I guess, flavors that he's, uh, you know, discovered in the roots of where the style of Mexican cuisine comes from. And, um, yeah, it was just amazing. The wine matches, the kind of... uh, I loved it how he was showcasing a lot of the Mexican wine from the Baja region. It was really, really cool for me because I, I don't really know much about uh, Mexican wine. And to my surprise, Mexican wine is really good. I came stacked in my suitcase with a lot of different Mexican varietals when I came back to New Zealand. Uh, yeah, it was a it was okay. an amazing dining experience for all of us. And I, you know, I congratulate him. He's the man, you know, that was uh, that was awesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some, some one, one more place somewhere uh, out in some other country that I liked in, in the world. Oh, I mean, all day, all day. It's for me. Yeah. Uh, I love San Sebastian. I mean, I I spent many years living there. Um, all the pincho places, just the walk through the old town. It's funny over there. It's like if you've lived there for a long time you you eat a lot better if you just arrive there because you know that this one pincho place they do the 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 best foie gras dish or this pincho place they do the best orejas so the, the pig's ears so every place you go to when you've known them and lived there for a long time like someone needs to make a culinary journey map of which is the best pincho inside each different pincho place um that and then well, years and years ago, my old Spanish friend Sergio told me, you never order more than one different type of pincho in any bar. It's the chance to walk around and find the best of what they have. And it's such a true story. I think I have a lot of my culinary roots were made there. So I have mad respect for that city. I've got a lot of friends that have fancy restaurants there that I kind of idolize. Um, but I think the, you know, the pinchos, the, you know, you can, and, and if there's the best of both worlds there, you can go to the finer restaurant, you can go to the simple restaurant, you can go in between. There's just so many, so much selection in such a small little area. Um, I, I, I love, I love that place, man. Um, I took my wife there last year for the first time and we kind of, just had an amazing uh, food journey while we were there. Um, you know, too much uh, probably food, but um, it, it, it was really good. Yeah, that would be my jam. Which, uh, could you mention a few of the, the, the pincho or tapas Man, places that you would go to? I'll put it on the Word World of Mouth app because I can't remember right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got okay, to do a little okay. bit more work on that thing. Great. great. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So new. Yeah. Very b- good. B- back to New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand's kind of like, uh, it's a new country. Uh, you know, we've only been here. At, you know, uh, with the, you know, the Maori have been here for around eight hundred years, who you know came via canoe. 
Uh, Western world arrived here in the, the 19th century. It's very new, it's very untouched. We're an island, so we have all these special little ingredients that a lot of people have never tasted before because uh, we're so guarded from the rest of the world. And I think uh, that is one of the reasons why uh, people are showing a lot of interest down here right now is one, it's a beautiful place, but two, in the in in the the kind of foodie realm where it's kind of like me, like I'm always into trying new things. Like if I go to a, a three-star menu and it's absolutely perfect, but it's just all these ingredients that I've eaten thousands of times, it doesn't really tick my box. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. like I, there's only so much yeah, yeah. of the same ingredient done in the same way as me because I'm kind of like I'm into new things I'm into excitement um, I'm into new techniques and stuff but I think that's a cool thing about New Zealand right now is that it's new and we're still discovering new ingredients whether it's new edible endemic mushrooms or new species like we just recently started using the giant New Zealand king crab that nobody even knew it was there, you know, and that that has just been echoing mm, around the yeah. world because it's such an amazing product as well. It's so sweet and it's so crazy looking, like some of them are up to 10 kilos and you just can't, you know, the girth of the arm is like a banana. And, uh, you know, there's, so it, for, mm-hmm. for a chef as well, it's super exciting because the, there's all these little kind of new elements that you get to keep working with. So it gives you that kind of inspiration and drive because you're using all these new ingredients, you know. So it, it, it's really cool. And that's why um, I think New Zealand is uh, destined to be the new new food place. One last question uh, before I let you go and start start your your working day. Um, if you could uh, this evening pack your bags with your wife and uh, travel anywhere in the world uh, for dining at some restaurant, which uh, restaurant could I would be going be? to Japan, and the first place I would dine at would be Narizawa. Okay. Yeah, I I spent a little bit of time with him recently and um and his son Leo and you know my wife she grew up literally one block from that restaurant in that that part of Tokyo and to to this day uh okay. I've never been to Japan and I'm married to a Japanese woman <laughs> so we met during COVID and then the restrictions after that where we literally couldn't go, uh, we're, we're due to go there next year in the time of the Sakura Blossom. Um, that is on my top, top uh, wish list. I want to dine there and then I'm going to dine at Den. And um, I want to discover all of the little pieces of Japan through food. Um, I want to go to Kyoto. I want to eat on the street. Um, I want to eat in the fine restaurants. I want to try everything. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, that's my next jam. 
very good. Uh, Vaughn Mabee uh, in New Zealand uh, from Am Restaurant Amersfield. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking to you. And good luck with everything there. And uh, hope you're getting to Japan soon with your wife. Hey, thanks, Kenneth. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Walla Mouth podcast with Chef Vaughn Mabee from the Amersfield Restaurant, New Zealand. You'll find all the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more in the Walla Mouth app, available in your app store or visit our website at wallamouth.app. I'm Kenneth Nars, until next week with a new podcast guest. <laughs>